Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to church. For those of you who are here for the first time, I'm Alvin. I serve as lead pastor here at the church, and I'm honored that you're with us this afternoon, 1145 service. We've got uh, a great, great afternoon planned for you all, but we're going to start off by getting into our series. Um, we are closing out uh, what I've enjoyed a lot, a series we've been doing in, for the month of October. Uh, but before we get into it, there's a declaration we like to do here at Nashville Life before we get into the scriptures. So if you can repeat these words after me, say, uh, the word of God is the bread of life. Nice. May my heart conceive it and my life achieve it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Awesome. Well, the series for October has been called Under Pressure. We've been talking about how pressuring situations can actually be opportunities for us to develop our growth, uh, glorify God more, and make a greater impact on the lives of those around us. And uh, the book of James in the Bible, chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, James 1, 2 through 4 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Then it says, Let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Um, there's a lot of people here today. And uh, I don't know a lot of you, but I can say with confidence that every person in this room, you were created by God, and God loves you, and God has a purpose for your life, and it's his will and his desire for your life that you find perfection and completion in him. And God is the only one that can actually get you there. He can take you to that destination that he that he has for you of, of lacking nothing, of being fully complete and perfect in him and in his love. Uh, but that process is not easy. Uh, in fact, a lot of it re involves difficulty and trials and pressures. But if we endure, we will see the great things that come from it. I believe that there's a level of glory that God wants to get from your life that can't actually be produced until certain trials and certain pressures are experienced. So, so the Lord's going to help us see these pressures differently uh, when we approach them in our lives because we always encounter them. But my prayer is that because of today, you'll see it differently and appreciate them more. Uh, we've been talking about different pressures all month. So we started with the first week with the pressure of conviction, and then we talked about the pressure of trust learning to trust God, and then there was the pressure of courage, and last week was the pressure of disappointments. Uh, today, we are, we are going to talk about the pressure of association, the pressure of association. Uh, association is the connection or grouping to someone or something else. Association is the connection or grouping to someone or something else. Uh, association matters in most of the things that we do. You'd be surprised of how many decisions 
we make based on how it will associate us. Everything from the friends we choose and the friend groups that we choose, uh, the neighborhoods that we choose, uh, certain clothes that we wear. If I wear that, I might be associated with that. Or if I go here, go here I might be associated with that. Um, association plays a large role in the way that we make decisions. Um, the pressure of association, I'm going to define that for today. The pressure of association is the choice between autonomy or individualism and being linked to a larger entity. Whenever you face the pressure of association, you're deciding, do I want to stand alone and disconnect myself from uh, the larger entity of being associated with something else or someone else? Uh, to be Christian is to be associated with Jesus Christ. Um, with that association comes a lot of benefits, but it comes a lot of difficulties as well. It comes with a lot of hardships. And Jesus, being the good leader that he is, never wanted his followers to be blindsided and caught off guard about the difficulties that come with being associated with his name. So he tells us some things. In John chapter 15, John chapter 15, verse 18 through 20, this is what Jesus says. He says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. Jesus says, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. At first, I was hesitant when I was reading this because I'm like, how is this going to land in our congregation and in the city of Nashville and the, the United States of America? Uh, our country has historically been linked to Christianity. The forefathers of our country upheld the Bible in a lot of ways. So when you think of uh, this scripture Sometimes it can be difficult to connect with as an American because not only have we not experienced the same levels of persecution for our faith, uh, in our country, some people even try to pass as Christians because of the advantages that can happen politically, the advantages that can happen professionally, socially. Um, there's, there's, there's uh, on the surface a presentation that we can be exempt from this scripture and that this doesn't apply to us, but that's not the case. I truly believe that the persecution and the hate that Jesus is referring to goes deeper than nationality. It goes deeper than culture. It goes deeper than anything social. This is a spiritual thing. I believe there is a spiritual, supernatural hostility and animosity against Jesus in our world. And it makes sense. There's a reason why. I don't just have to think it. It's, it's, it's facts. God made Adam and Eve with uh, an awesome responsibility of having dominion and authority over the whole earth. 
And when the serpent deceived Adam and Eve, they forfeited that dominion. They forfeited that authority, and it found itself in the hands of Satan, which is why the scripture calls him the prince of the air. He governs the world, and he builds his own kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, and he's building it. He's been building it for, for centuries on this earth, and the way he builds it is through people who sin. So every time a person sins, you're actually carrying out the desires and the will of the enemy, and you're contributing to his kingdom. Um, I know, it's, it's wild when you think about it. It makes you look at sin a little bit differently. Uh, and he uses three things. The Bible says he uses the lust of the flesh, what feels good. He uses the lust of the eye, what looks good. And he uses the pride of life, uh, how, it, how it makes you feel about yourself, feeling important, feeling special. And he, he uses these things because human beings, like, we love those things. Like, without God, we are all very vulnerable to these three things. Without the help of Jesus, all of us are vulnerable to at least one, if not all three, of the things that I just listed. So that's how he carries out his plan. That's how he's building this kingdom. And he's depending on the sins of people for his success. Then comes Jesus. Jesus is not from this world. He's directly from heaven. There is no sin in him. He doesn't sin. He never sins. The enemy tries to tempt him, and he never gives in. He is not with the program. Jesus shows up on the scene, and he's the first human that Satan has, has not been able to control. And Satan hates that he can't control somebody. He's not used to not controlling people. He's used to having a lot of success with people. And then Jesus comes, and he's the one human being that will not submit to his kingdom and not submit to his program, and therefore the world hates him. The world sees Jesus like a trespasser, intruding into a place that he does not belong. There's a scripture where Jesus encounters a man full of demons, and when the man sees Jesus, he goes, what are you doing here? This is not your zone. He's like, you belong in heaven. What, why are you here? Why have you come here? This is not your place. Jesus did not belong because this world was governed by the devil. And here comes this holy king of kings into a different dominion. Jesus stuck out like a sore thumb. He, he was like a bug that needed to be squashed. There was a target on Jesus' back since the day he was born. Even before he was born, when word got out that the king of the Jews was being born that night, King Herod sent out a decree to try to kill all the babies so that he would die. Jesus was, was a target. I should say there was a target on Jesus' back since the day he was born. During his ministry, we saw the Pharisees try to seize him on several times and take him out unsuccessfully. And then, of course, we know the big part of the story is when he was crucified. And y'all, that was even crazy. The governor, Pontius Pilate, gave the people a choice to save one of two people. It was Jesus and Barabbas, who was this notorious criminal, a murderer. And the people chose to save the murderer and crucify Jesus. You can't tell me this world doesn't hate Jesus. So what does that have to do with us? It has everything to do with us. When a sinner repents, and when a sinner is born again, he is born or she is born 
and to the body of who? We are born into the body of Christ. We've got baptisms happening at 1 o'clock. Raise your hand if you are getting baptized or here for someone being baptized. Awesome. Can't wait. Can't wait. When you're baptized, you are being baptized into the body of Christ. It's miraculous. And your life is now spiritually united with Jesus. You are associated with Christ now because of your uh, being born again. And that's amazing news. You inherit all of the privileges of Jesus. You inherit the royalty of Jesus, the priesthood of Jesus. You inherit the holiness and the righteousness and the power of Jesus. Every door in heaven is open to you. In fact, forget the door being open. You actually get the keys to the door. He gives everyone in Christ, he gives the keys to the kingdom. You get to roam through heaven like you were Jesus himself because you are associated with him. The Father sees you with the same adoration, with the same affection that he sees his only son. You get to sit where Jesus sits. You get to eat where he eats. Currently, the Bible says there are mansions being prepared for you this very moment because you are associated with Jesus. Not because you're perfect, not because you've done everything right, because you are associated with Jesus. Anyone who is in Christ, you've got it made in heaven. But that's heaven. We're still here. The same way heaven treats Jesus, sorry, the, hev the same way that heaven will treat you the same as they treat Jesus is the same way that the world will treat you the way they treated Jesus. And all you got to do is open your Bibles to see how that happened. All you got to do is read the Gospels to see the way Jesus was treated. You are in the inner circle in heaven. You are the elite in heaven. But on earth, the church, we're peculiar. We are the outsiders Christians are accepted by association in heaven. Because of Jesus, you are accepted simply by being linked to him. The same way Christians are rejected by association from the world. Now, are we called to the world? Yes, but it won't be without resistance. It won't be without a fight. It takes perseverance to minister the gospel. It takes perseverance to represent light and truth in a world that glorifies darkness and lies. Because of our association with Christ, the same target that was on Jesus' back is on everyone who follows him's back. There's a target on the Christian's identity. There's a target on the Christian's purpose. There's a target on the Christian's faith. But Jesus is a good shepherd. He's our leader. He's our commander-in-chief. And he actually paved the way of resistance. He actually walked this earth and experienced the hate and the animosity from the spirit of the world. And he has every intention to prepare and equip. Not exempt. He doesn't exempt his followers from the persecution, but he will prepare you for it. He does not exempt you from the hardships that he went through, but he will give you protection so that you can endure it. Those three things that I want to cover today are armor, perspective, 
and courage. Jesus gives his followers armor, he gives them perspective, and he gives them courage. Let's talk about armor really fast. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 through 18. This is for all the followers of Jesus. It says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. In case you wonder, today is the evil day. We are in that in 2023. And having done all to stand, he says, stand uh, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Verse 16 says, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. The fiery darts that Paul is referring to are the fiery darts that's against Jesus. And when we are, the Bible says our lives are hidden in Christ. So... If there are darts being shot at Jesus, he's at the podium, and you are in Jesus, then every dart that's coming against Jesus is coming against you. And it's not personal. It's simply by association. The devil doesn't care about you. He hates Jesus. He hates Jesus. So when you're in Jesus, he hates you now. It's all by association. But the Lord has given us armor to be able to withstand the hate of the enemy. Number two, perspective, perspective, perspective. Matthew chapter five, this is what Jesus says. I'm so grateful for perspective from Jesus. Jesus says in verse 10 of chapter five of Matthew, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs, Jesus says, is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely. You got to make sure it's false, though. <laughs> false accusations. Now, if they're telling the truth, you don't qualify for the scripture. But if it's not true and they're just mad at you because of the Holy Spirit that's in you, that's what this is about. Jesus says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward, he says, in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Perspective. Being able to see things from a different angle. Persecution is something that in our own flesh we would run away from. We would, we would dread and Jesus is telling us that when it's done on my account, basically when you go through hardships because of me, you've got a reward waiting on you in heaven. Number three, courage. Courage is important in this walk. I've got two scriptures for that. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Second scripture, it's real quick. 
the book of Luke, chapter 9. The book of Luke, chapter 9, verse 26. Jesus says, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. The opposite of courage is being ashamed of the gospel. And the reason why I gave two scriptures about being ashamed of the gospel, because it makes me think, why would anybody be ashamed of the gospel? It's the most powerful, the most exciting, the best, most merciful, pure news and message that you could ever think of. Why? What is it? about something so pure and something so good and something so real and helpful to the world and to humanity. Like, I can see being ashamed about sin and bad stuff, but who would be ashamed of the gospel? Why would anyone be ashamed of something so good? The pressure of association is why. Because as good as the gospel is, when you take on the message of Jesus, everyone who has issues with God, has issues with Jesus, has issues with the Bible, now have an issue with you. And we hate that as people. If we're honest, we don't like the idea of being rejected, being ostracized, being persecuted. We all want to be loved, let's be honest. And when you represent Jesus, you step into the life of the one that this world hates. And that can make people ashamed. Just ask our friend Peter. The apostle Peter uh, loved Jesus. He was actually the most hype about Jesus of all the disciples. He was passionate about Jesus until he encountered the pressure of association. He saw the way Jesus was hated. He saw the way he was arrested by the guards. He saw the way he was falsely accused and sentenced to crucifixion. And even though he wasn't Jesus, he knew he was associated with Jesus. And his fear was if they treat Jesus like that, they might treat me the same because I'm associated with him. He had, a, he had fear that he would be hated by association. He had fear that he would be ostracized by association, excommunicated from society because of his association with Jesus, arrested because of his association with Jesus. And ultimately, his biggest fear is that he would be crucified too by association. So how did he respond? How did Peter respond to the pressure of association? He denied Jesus. He lied and said that he didn't know him. You got the wrong guy. I don't, I, I, I'm not with them. Self-preservation. He was trying to protect himself, protect his life. And he denied Jesus. Y'all, he denied him three times. He didn't just do it once. He did it a second time and a third time. Thank God for mercy. Thank God for Jesus' mercy. He, 
he, Jesus was crucified, he died on the cross and was raised from the grave. And when he was resurrected, he appeared to Peter and he confronted Peter and Peter's heart was broken. Talk about a shame. He knew what he had done and it broke his heart that he denied his best friend. He didn't want to be associated with his best friend. And Jesus was so gracious to him. He forgave him. He restored him. He affirmed his ministry. He still allowed him to be an apostle. He released him for ministry and gave him his power, the power of the Holy Spirit. Allowed Peter to be the one to preach the first sermon on the day of Pentecost. Blessed Peter to where he was able to bring thousands. I mean, he was so gracious to Peter. Peter learned how to use the armor of God that we talked about. He learned how to find courage, and he found new perspective. I do want to make sure I include that Peter ended up dying the death that he feared. His biggest nightmare is that he'd be crucified too. And scriptures show us that Peter was crucified because of his association with Jesus. Now, this part isn't in the Bible, but there's enough historical writings where it's a popular opinion that Peter considered it too great of an honor to be crucified because that's the way that Jesus died. So he asked to be crucified upside down out of respect. His greatest nightmare became his greatest honor. That's perspective change. The Lord can change the way you see everything. The things that you dread can turn to be the thing that makes you feel the most privileged. Jesus changed Peter's heart. He changed his perspective. He gave him courage. And the pressure of association that used to allow him or used to make him shrink in fear. By the end of Peter's life, he stood boldly at the adversity and he responded with courage, with humility, and he died the death that he was honored to do, honored to die. The pressure of association, guys, it's something that all of us, if we want to follow Jesus any further, especially in this day and age, we're going to have to learn how to handle it. Otherwise, we'll answer to it like the first Peter instead of the latter Peter. We don't want to respond like he did and, and lie and say we don't know Jesus to protect our lives. Guys, as our country is becoming more divided, as our schools and businesses are starting to show more of a double standard between the Christian faith and other religions, I'm, I'm seeing it happen. The not only the tolerance, but the respect and, and honor of other religions while they're trying to snuff out Christianity. They're getting more and more bold. The world is becoming more and more bold about this bias and this prejudice against Jesus. As passionate people, there's passionate people in our world, passionate and persistent people that are working around the clock to try to outlaw our faith, outlaw our Bible, outlaw our God. The narrative is growing 
stronger and stronger that to be Christian is to be synonymous with bigotry and hate speech. And the world's falling for it, y'all. We must pray for the grace and the strength, for the armor and the perspective and the courage to handle the pressure of being associated with Jesus. We must pray. God has to give it to you. He has to give you the boldness. He has to give you the faith. If you pray for it, he'll give it to you. For those of you who have yet to make Jesus Christ your Savior, the ones who have yet to hide your life in Jesus and wear his name, I mean every word that I said during this message. And yes, I am still inviting you to join Jesus. After all I said, I still think it's the best decision that you could ever make. And yes, you will experience persecution. You will experience the pressure of association while you're in this earth. But the consolation I have for all of you today, a consolation that I can guarantee is that your time on earth will be so short compared to eternity. The Bible says your life on earth, even if you live to be 150, which I pray of all of you if that's what you want, even that is a vapor of smoke compared to eternity. The Bible says your life is like, so yes, it might be hard here, but guys, eternity is way longer than anything you'll experience here. And while the pressure of association is great, and while it's tough, on the other end is something greater, and that is the prize of association. And the prize of association is way greater, way more glorious, way more real than the pressure. Yes, following Jesus will cost you a lot, but that lot will be nothing compared to what you will gain for eternity. I'd like for us to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the word of God. Lord, I pray a request this afternoon on behalf of everybody here. God, I pray, Lord, that you would take the glory of being associated with you and the rewards of being associated with you and the privilege and the honor and the joy and the prize of being associated with you, God. And I pray, Lord, that you would magnify it in the hearts and the minds of every person in this room. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you allow them to get a glimpse of just how great a privilege it is to be associated with Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Savior of the world. Lord, and I pray, Lord, that the glory of being connected to you and the glory of representing your name in this generation would be so glorious and so great, Lord, that it would make the, pr the pressure pale in comparison. Lord, help them see that the pressure is well worth the prize. Help them to see that the cost is well worth the gain. Help them to see, Lord, that there's no level of persecution that is worth missing out on the glory of being accepted in heaven and seeing you and hearing you say, well done, good and faithful servant. You weren't ashamed of me. You represented me even when it wasn't popular. 
Lord, encourage everyone here to hold out and endure whatever hardships they're experiencing or whatever may come, Lord, so that they can reach that day where they can experience the reward of knowing that they endured the pressure and they lost whatever was necessary to faithfully follow and to be associated with you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask us all to stand. We're about to close out and prepare for water baptisms. By the way, the offer is still open. Anyone who didn't have an appointment, we take walk-ins. You can be... You can be baptized today. We got shirts, we got shorts, whatever it is you need. If you feel inspired to obey God and make this decision, we want to support you in that. I'm going to ask the prayer team to get in position, and I'm going to lead us all in a quick prayer. And this prayer is a prayer that gives you the ability to make your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. No one can make that decision but you. It has to be your decision. And it happens by two things. You have to believe in your heart and you have to confess it with your mouth. And that combination, when you have a heart belief and when you say it out loud, something supernatural sparks on the inside of you. And the life of God actually comes inside your life. And he'll lead you and he'll love you and he'll heal you. He'll give you the courage you need when following him gets hard. So repeat these words after me if that's, what, if that's the decision you want to make. And if you've already made that decision, pray it with me as well. Say, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. Forgive me of my sins. I make, uh, sorry, make me a new person in Christ. Say, Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Let's all say amen. And if you're grateful, let's make some noise. Let's say hallelujah, clap, extend a praise to God. God is worthy. He's good. Y'all, we're just getting started. We're about to have a great celebration. But before we do that, I want to give some instructions. If you said yes to Jesus, congratulations. This prayer team is here for you. They are here to pray for whatever needs you have. Whatever prayer needs you need. This team, they love God, they love you, and they actually came here today to pray for you. So before you leave, please, we, we extend the offer to give you prayer for anything you need. Um, you can text the word BELONG to 77411. It's a great way to learn about the church, get connected, somebody to reach out to you. It's just a great way to connect, and it's easy. Uh, also, if you want to give, you can give your tithes and offerings online, or our finance team can serve you in the lobby if you rather give that way. Um, I love you guys. I pray that you all have a great rest of the day. We'll be downstairs at 1 o'clock for our water baptism. I think there's over 25 or so that are being baptized today.
So if you want to witness it, uh, we'll see you downstairs. And I just pray God's blessing on you. Have a great rest of the day.